You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Now I'll turn your attention slightly. Judy Mellon is getting ready to read to us a passage of Scripture. It comes from the Gospel of Luke. It's found in the 13th chapter. It tells a story of something that happened in a worship service that Jesus attended. And when you think about it, it's a powerful story. But I can really relate to those who would have been a little frustrated about the order of worship being disrupted. After all, I spend a lot of my time organizing worship. I have a script that I follow during worship, and to have it all blown apart. Well, in this moment in Scripture, what they expected to happen in worship was met by a Jesus who said, I have something more to offer. Maybe we can learn something. And maybe as we hear these words, we can receive what Jesus alone wants to give in this moment. Be blessed as you hear Judy share the scripture with us. Judy. A reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 10 through 16. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman who was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath from what bound her? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to join with me now in a moment of prayer as we get ready to hear a reflection on God's word. Heavenly God, I ask you to please bless and take the efforts that have been put towards this moment, not only the ones that I bring, but that we all bring, that brought us to take time to listen, to receive, and to be in your presence. May this worship be made holy by you. May we encounter you. May you make the difference today. For us in this worship, we prayed in Christ's name. Amen. He'd been searching for some time. He'd been searching, ironically, as one who was supposed to already be an expert in that for which he was searching. He'd been trained in the best seminary of his day. He had been in the field. He had preached numerous sermons. He even had notoriety because of his heritage. And yet, he knew that within himself there was very little spiritual power. He knew 
that he could dance, but he had no tune or song within him. He knew that he could talk about things, but he didn't know about them. He was John Wesley. And he, along with his brother Charles, had been ordained clergymen for some time in the then Anglican Church. But because of some experiences we don't have time to get into right now, but quite frankly, they simply reflect the kind of experiences we all have where we face our mortality, where we come into challenges, and quite frankly have moments of failure that lead us to reflect and seek he was seeking. He and his brother with him. And it's ironic that his younger brother Charles, in his own search, really became focused because in May of 1738, Charles became seriously ill, like unto death. And he began reflecting, was he ready to die? Was he ready to go to death with peace in his soul? And the truth was, he wasn't. And so he prayed all the more earnestly. And ironically, on Pentecost Sunday, who knew, the Holy Spirit moved and he felt the power of God's love. Not just talked about it, not just could articulate great theological, theological reflections on it, but felt how much God loved him. He felt the power of Christ within. He became better, healthier. And he shared with his brother his own experience of coming now to know the love, that which he'd been seeking from God. And he shared it with John, and John heard, but he didn't still himself have that experience. They had that conversation on a Sunday. And the following Thursday, here's what it says that John Wesley did, because John Wesley kept a diary literally of every day of his life. That's what it says. In the evening, he writes, I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate Street. Have you ever gone to church unwillingly? You ever been dragged into worship? You ever wondered, you know, maybe there's something else I could do, but you went anyway? You weren't fully locked in? You didn't really know that you wanted to be there? He says, I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate Street, a, a worship, if you will, where somebody, not even described who it was, was reading Martin Luther's preface to the epistle to the Romans. Now, get this. He wasn't reading scripture. He was reading what Martin Luther wrote as a forerunner to reading scripture. And my guess is none of you have read Luther's preface to Romans. Well, here it is. It's 11 pages long. That's how long it is. You want to read it? Inspiring stuff. It is not. But Wesley listened. Listen to what he says further. About a quarter before nine at night, while this person was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for my salvation. An assurance was given me that Christ had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. The service he didn't want to go to, listening to a reading of passages that went on and on and on. He heard something that warmed his heart, changed his life and the course of his life. Now, I said to you, Luther's preface is pretty long, but I went ahead and read it for you. And there is a section 
I wonder if maybe this is where Wesley felt his heart strangely warmed. This is why faith alone makes someone just and fulfills the law. Faith it is that brings the Holy Spirit through the merits of Christ. The Spirit, in turn, renders the heart glad and free. Then good works proceed from faith itself. That is what Paul means in chapter 3. He talks about how it is grace that warms the heart. And Wesley, who had spent his entire life trying to do everything the right way, put all of his energy to being the best at what he could be, heard a word that said, it isn't about what you're doing, it's about what you're open to receiving. Are you ready to receive God? Are you ready to receive what Christ would give you? For us, we gather together like Wesley, some Sundays, sometimes in moments like this, whether it's the broadcast that you watch on Sunday or on a Thursday evening, wherever it might be, we come to it to listen, to hear, and to worship. We worship in the church. It's what we do. It's the main reason for which we gather. And how do I know that? I know that because when COVID-19 began a year ago, we did not scramble to figure out how to broadcast the best church meeting. No one cares to watch a church meeting. We scrambled to do the best we could to bring the best worship we could virtually because that's what matters at the end of the day. When the church gathers, we worship. We come together so that we can experience the things of worship. We come to hear music, yes. We come to hear scripture read, yes. We come to hear a reflection on Scripture, of course. But bottom line, we come together in worship because we want to be taken out of the ordinary of our life into that special moment where perhaps maybe this moment, maybe in this broadcast, maybe on this Sunday, we might experience the presence of God. We might come into the presence of God. And we are so weary and we are so beaten up and we are so tired of feeling bland and nothing and apathetic. We want to be touched by something. Please, Lord, strangely warm my heart. We come to worship for those reasons. And everything that we do to put into worship is all about accomplishing that. The truth is, when we hear great music in worship, we are thrilled. I love listening to the music of worship. All kinds of rhythms. I love hearing really great preaching where the order is actually reflecting well the scripture and bringing vitality and speaking relevance to my life. I love receiving that kind of preaching. I love hearing God's word read. I love watching children lead worship because it just makes me feel alive again. But all of those things are only a means to an end that somehow we would be transported beyond them into the presence of of Jesus Christ. That's why we do all that we do in worship. That's why it matters. But the truth is sometimes in the effort to try to do our best, we get lost in thinking it's about what we're doing, not about what we're going to, not about what we're opening our lives up to. In the scripture for today, you hear Jesus walk in to a synagogue, to a service, to a worship experience. A worship experience that had been going on for some time. It had ritual. It had, it had rhythm to it. And the leader of the synagogue knew what was orchestrated for that moment. But Jesus comes in and completely disrupts everything by not sticking to the script, 
but rather by looking around and seeing somebody who needed healing and acted out of love, acted out of compassion, and healed this woman. Now, all kinds of things are being shattered here in this moment, the following of the order of worship, uh, Jesus taking the authority, giving the ability to heal somebody. And yes, in Sabbath worship in that day, it happened to be a woman, another crossing the line. And the congregation and the Sabbath leader became angry at Jesus because he broke into their structure. They were so upset about that they couldn't rejoice over the fact that this woman was made well. They needed to be reminded. The whole purpose of gathering together was to be into the presence of the living God and allow that to bring healing, yes, into this woman's life and healing into all those who come together. And when we gather for worship, the difference between what makes worship fine and okay and transformative is simply that moment. Are we willing to accept the presence of Jesus in this moment? Have we come looking for Jesus like John Wesley was? So that even if you come into a service, you're not sure you really want to even show up. But if you've been seeking God, God will find an openness in your heart to reach out and touch you. The question is, have you come into this moment to be distracted from all the other stuff of life? Or have you come ready and willing, seeking to feel the power of Christ? No matter how well I put in the effort to do a great sermon, nothing that the choir can do that Sarah can do in playing the organ can get you ready to receive the anointing and presence of Christ more than your willingness to receive, your willingness to be open and to seek it and to do so on a regular basis. The reason why worship attendance matters so much is not because of how it makes a church stronger. It is because of how it makes the community stronger because when we are not together in worship, and I literally mean even now, yeah, when we were in the sanctuary, it mattered whether we were all sitting in the pews together because it felt powerful to recognize that we were together. But even now in virtual worship, to know that I'm not sitting there watching this thing by myself, but rather there are over 1,800 people watching with me, being influenced, being invited to a common moment to experience the power of Christ and to witness that out to the world, that matters. We're not alone in this moment, even in a virtual worship service. But all of that is not nearly as important as the extent that each one of us <clears throat> comes open, seeking that Christ would reach out and touch us. John and Charles searched for some time. Sometimes you have to search for quite a while. And it isn't always guaranteed in every service, in every Aldersgate service you attend, that it's going to happen. But it can and will happen when we open up our heart and seek and want that. The difference between what makes worship okay and worship transformative is our willingness to make sure we've created space for Jesus Christ to show up. We've yearned for that. Today, in this moment, I invite you, before this service goes any further, to simply pause with me and ask for Jesus to come into my life, to be present with me. For no other reason than just to be present, 
with Christ, not with a list of what I need Jesus to do, but I just want to be with him. I recently had a conversation with someone who um, was talking about what they wanted, and they were hoping, you know, as they were thinking about their life, that everything would go well, right? They would have guidance, and that, you know, the children would be healthy and all those kinds of things. And I said to that person, you know, those are all the right things to ask for. But the reason we show up for worship isn't so that Jesus will give us what we want, but so that we will have a powerful relationship with Jesus Christ so that whatever happens, we know that we are not alone. The presence of Christ is with us. And even in the face of the endurable and the challenging and the painful, it isn't that God has denied us or rejected us, but rather that God remains faithful to walk with us through those moments. And when we keep showing up, we learn that relationship with Christ and can lean on that. That's the gift. John Wesley's heart was strangely warm, but that doesn't mean he didn't face challenges the rest of his life. In fact, this is the last time he refers to that moment. It's a powerful moment, but he didn't stay there. He went out and lived his faith, continually growing in his faith with Jesus Christ, in his relationship with Jesus Christ. In all situations, the blessings and the challenges. When we come to worship, we seek to establish the rhythm of our life around the rhythm of worship. We learn to praise God. We learn to confess to God. We learn to gather together to read God's scripture. We learn to give offering so that we can become the generous people God invites us to be in every avenue of our life. This is why worship matters. And what allows it to do is it creates for us how we will live our life the rest of our moments when we're not in the worship hour in the worship experience. Today, in this moment, we come together, we've heard music, you've heard the scripture read. And it is my prayer that we would create space in this worship that if the script doesn't ask for it, but someone's life has changed, someone is healed, praise God. We pray that in this moment, all that we had hoped and planned for, if it's necessary, would be set aside for Christ to stand up and say, here's what I need you to know. Here's what I need you to be, and I'm here with you. <sighs> the thing that strikes me most about that uh, moment in, this, in the uh, service where Jesus came and brought healing wasn't the fact that Jesus disrupted and people got upset about the fact he disrupted it's the fact they didn't realize in that moment they're worshiping and God was right there standing in their presence. They missed it. I don't want you to miss it. I don't want to miss it. I want to be that seeker like John and Charles Wesley who keep seeking until they have that moment where their heart is strangely warmed. It is my invitation to you, not only now, today, but certainly today, but now for the rest of your life. Never go to a worship service without understanding there's a possibility, even if the preaching is off and the choir is off tune, that Jesus might show up and may touch you and warm your heart. I read to you a little bit from Luther in his preface, but I also wonder if perhaps this other section might be also where John Wesley had his heart strangely warmed. I think these words are poignant even today. Listen to what Luther wrote. Faith is a living, unshakable confidence in God's grace. It is so certain that someone would die a thousand times for it. 
this kind of trust in and knowledge of God's grace makes a person joyful, confident, and happy with regard to God and all creatures. This is what the Holy Spirit does by faith. Through faith, a person will do good to everyone without coercion, willingly and happily. A person will serve everyone, suffering everything for the love and praise of God, who has shown that person grace. It is impossible to separate works from faith as burning and shining from fire. Continue to ask God to work faith in you. It is my prayer for you as we enter into this Lenten season, as you start this week, in this very moment, whether you came into it unwillingly or eagerly, that you will continue to seek. And if Christ were to show up and reach out to you to offer you hope and healing and comfort and encouragement and strength and, yes, grace, that we would not reject but we receive in joy. As I think about the worship services to share with you in the days to come, there's only one thing that I wish more than anything, and that is this. Not that you remember things that I've said, not that you remember choir anthems, but you'd be able to say to somebody, while I was worshiping, Jesus showed up and I was ready. And I received. And I was made well. And my heart was warmed. May it be so. In the name of the Christ who is here with us right now. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.